Good morning, everyone. This is actually uh, more than I expected this morning because of the, the cold weather, but Ray family, thanks for being here to, to celebrate. I'm celebrating with you. Excited. Um, those of you online, I know many of you are probably watching online, probably a little bit more normal. Maybe some people in the fireside room, uh, welcome. Thanks for tuning in. Glad to be here. So there was a, a large study done about church attendance and guests coming in for the first time, and they were trying to just study patterns and feel, uh, feel out like what's bringing people back to church, what helps them decide whether they're going to come back or not. And uh, what they discovered in this that is within the first five or ten minutes, people have decided if they're going to come back for a second visit. So if we got a first-time guest, within the first ten minutes, five to ten minutes, they figured out, yep, I'm coming back, or nope, not coming back. So you know what this means? They haven't even heard the preaching yet. And I would hate for people to miss out on, on Jack's preaching and decide whether they were going to stay here or not before that. And this also means that sometimes they don't even hear the worship through song. They're not even sure what, what style it is. This means that hospitality is huge, right? If we want people to be a part of what we're doing here, like that, that warm welcome right at the beginning, especially on a chilly day like today, is so important. So here's a, another interesting thing that came back from this study. Uh, they came up with a percentage as far as first-time guests coming back for a second time. So what percentage of first-time guests would come back for a second time? And I'd love to hear your guesses. Like, what percentage of people on a first-time visit would come back to a church? What do you think? Shout it out. What was it? 15. 16. <laughs> Jeffrey? He was here for service. That was a really great guess because their, their study said 16% of people... Um, would come back for a second visit. Here's something interesting. So the people that chose to come back for a second visit were 85% likely to come back for another one after that. It's probably because they stayed long enough to actually figure out what's going on and what's being taught and what's being sung, that sort of thing. Uh, but very interesting, uh, that, that jump from the first time to the second timer, uh, it's interesting. So what, what does that mean for us? Um, first of all, let, let me clarify something. Uh, we love our church gathering. I love Sundays. They're my favorite day to work. But this isn't church. I mean, this is church, but this is not the only thing that church is. Like, church is outside these walls. Church is community life groups and Bible studies and all of us being the church outside these walls. But we do love Sunday mornings. And I want people here because I, I believe that we're preaching God's word. And I love that. And we can be equipped and encouraged and challenge, and I love what God is doing, so I want people to be part of this, so I want them to be here. That means we got to have some good hospitality, right? we got to have some good hospitality. So we're going to dive into a passage today, but before we do, I want to pray one more time, please. Father, I'm asking for your strength today. I'm asking for you to use me as a vessel to communicate truth. Thank you for everyone that's here. Thank you for the people in the fireside room, all the people that are joining in online, keep us warm, keep us safe, um, help create belonging for us, even those that are maybe on their own watching this morning. Thank you for your word, it's truth, we need it. Teach us, even, even my own heart, Lord, teach this morning, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at Romans 15, so if you've got your devices or your Bible, I ask you to get that out. There should be one in front of you, uh, in the seat in front of you, if you want that. Uh, Romans 15, 
Uh, so I'm actually preaching from the NASB 95 version, because that's the way I wanted to go with the outline. So if you got your device, the Bible app, if you use that, you can go NASB 95. I'm going to start in verse 5 a little bit earlier. Jack read some of the early verses. Romans 15. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. So the first thing that I want you to see here is that God's glory is on display. When we sing with one voice, God's glory is on display. When we welcome and accept one another, God is glorified, and so His glory is on display. That's why I've called this sermon, God's Glory on Display. The second thing that I want you to notice is that verses 5 and 6 are a prayer, and then there's a, there's a tie back to verse 4. Now, verse 4 is actually a great outro if you've been with us the last few weeks. We've been talking about God's Word. Verse 4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction. Paul is referring to the Old Testament. And last week we dove into 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture is God-breathing, useful for teaching and correcting and rebuking and training in righteousness. Go back to listen to it if you haven't. Go back to listen to it if you haven't. It's great. In fact, you could go back to like all four of the last. Uh, it was a great sermon series. Connecting with God through the written word, through what he's given us. The rest of verse 4 so that through perseverance and encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And that's the tie-in. You actually see the same words, perseverance and encouragement, in verse 4, and you see that in verse 5. As Christians, we want to be people of perseverance and encouragement. And I think it's unique that Paul prays it here, because during the previous chapters, he's talked about living in unity, he's talked about persevering, all this stuff, and now, like after all this exhorting, okay, now I'm just praying it, because we need God's help with this. God needs to answer this prayer that we could persevere and be encouraged. Perseverance is continuing when things get tough. It's pressing forward against the grain when we're supposed to. Uh, God gives us perseverance. It's not something that we can do on our own. We can try to muster up as much as we can, but God's one that grants us that perseverance and encouragement. Similarly, like you ever try to encourage yourself? Maybe we can develop some of those habits, but God gives encouragement. And he gives it through his scriptures. We talked about the other week that uh, in God's word, there's joy. God's word brings us joy. Okay, so there's the tie-in from verse 4, but I want to look at the main point here, verse 5. The focus of Paul's prayer here is that we might be unified, ultimately with the purpose that God would be glorified. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another, according to Christ Jesus. So that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, God's glory is on display through our unity. The ESV renders it this way. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. And being a music guy, of course, I love this term, harmony. I think it's a great picture, because it's not unanimity, if that's the right word. We're not like cookie cutters of each other. We're all being formed into the image of Jesus, but all kind of uniquely in the way that he's made us. So I love this picture of harmony. Harmony in musical terms, it's, it's about singing different pitches at the same time that sound good together. Um, and in my home, we've got this, this little thing that we've been doing. I'm trying to help teach my 
my kids harmony. Uh, I got one of them sitting there actually, and they're kind of confused. Um, and I did this during the first verse, and this is going to be really weird online probably because he can't hear it, or in the fireside room. We're going to try it again because I love harmony, and this is kind of the picture of what it sounds like. So we're going we're gonna to go over here. This is how I teach my kids. We're gonna, like, like this, I want you to sing one and hold the end, one. Can you do that? One, one, keep going. Mm, first, first, first service did better than you. Okay, two, hit ooh, two, or not two. I'm doing three, three. See, I already screwed it up. And five, hit, get a nice I, five, five, one, three, five. I hear it. Now it worked. It actually worked better first service. I don't know why. Maybe because I said the right numbers. Anyway, harmony, it's a beautiful thing. I think it's a good picture of what the church looks like. When God's people live in harmony, it brings Him glory. God's glory is on display through our unity, through our harmony, and God is passionate about our unity. I love the prayer we see in John chapter 7 that Jesus prays. He says, I do not ask for these only, for his disciples and immediate people, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I and them, and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Lots of oneness, right? Lots of unity. Again, God's glory is at stake in our unity. God draws people to himself. He uses the unity of the church. The picture of the church caring for one another and, and pouring out for one another and lifting each other up. This is, a, this is beautiful. It brings God glory. And our unity helps the world know that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And unity is something that, well, so it's not something we create. Hang with me here for a second. Uh, Ephesians 4.3 is a verse that I memorized a long time ago. It says, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Maintain this unity. You see, for anyone who is in Christ, <clears throat> we receive the Holy Spirit. Right? When we confess Jesus as Lord, we receive the Holy Spirit and we are bonded in the Spirit as brothers and sisters in Christ. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is now alive in his church, in his people. So we have a unity because we were sealed with the Holy Spirit when we believed the gospel. We have given, given an incredible unity um, that I want to be encouraged with. And now, uh, and I actually think that, let me give you an example. So my unity with uh, a believer that is in a different country that speaks a different language but if he is in Christ, I think that I actually have a tighter connection and a, a stronger bond of unity with that person than I do a biological relative that isn't in Christ. I believe that that, that, that is a stronger bond because that's an eternal bond. That's one that never ends. That's, that's forever. That's why that bond is so strong. And so we maintain that unity. We've been given that unity through the Spirit. Sadly, sometimes don't maintain the unity of the Spirit very well. I'm guilty of this sometimes, too. Uh, in Kearney, Nebraska, I was a worship pastor there for several years, 
And I loved being a part of, of a movement. There was many like-minded churches, and we got to start meeting each other as worship pastors. And we actually even met once a month for encouragement and sharpening each other, and it was wonderful. And then we did these Good Friday services that were like 1,000-plus people, and you'd, you'd have worship team members that were from like eight different churches. Uh, it was glorious. I loved it. And, and honestly, I admit, I haven't done real well here at Newton. And I've been here almost seven years, and I know some worship leaders, and I meet with them here and there, and I've been able to serve a couple times, but I can do a lot more to maintain that unity with other churches in this community. There's churches that I love, there's pastors that I love, and they're preaching the gospel, and I want to be more unified with them. Because the church is not just Grace Community Church, right? Church is bigger than that. So this unity that we have uh, is to be cultivated. It's cultivated by being of the same mind. The passage says to be the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Some of you know this passage. I love this passage. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. I'm probably mixing up my translations now, sorry. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So we're to be of one mind. We are to have this mind among us, this, this mindset of denying ourselves and pouring out ourselves for others. It's a glorious picture of the church. Earlier in chapter 15 of Romans, uh, Jack read earlier, each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification, for even Christ did not please himself. And then if you look actually past the passage that we're going to do, you'll see that Paul reminds us that Christ became a servant to many people, including the Gentiles, so even us in here, that we would believe and be united. Our unity our mindset of serving others before ourselves brings glory to God. And God's glory is on display through our unity. Similarly, I believe that God's glory is smothered in our disunity. And I, I need to hear that too. I think all of us need to hear that. Disunity does not bring any glory to God. In fact, it turns people away from God. A church that I was a part of in Nebraska, some of you have heard a little bit of my story. I was on a team that was not unified and there were just some unhealthy things, and there was division, and I think we missed out on bringing a lot of glory to God, and all of us could have done some things differently. Uh, it resulted in a, in a massive church split, which was painful and hard and ugly. I think one of the things that grieves my heart the most is I know there were people that were pretty new to walking with Christ. They were, they were in our church, people that were new to just being in the church atmosphere, and surely some of them, when this, this is the picture that they see, think, if that's church, I want nothing to do with it. If that's what fallen Christ looks like, I don't want anything to do with it. And that grieves my heart. Excuse me. Um, our disunity, I think God's passionate about that. God wants us to be unified in one spirit. One of the challenges that I feel from preaching this sermon is to seek forgiveness and reconciliation where I've been involved in division. Maybe you've caused division in the church. 
maybe gossip, maybe slander, maybe not going to the source when we talk. And we need to do that. Hopefully you hear it from the pulpit all the time. We've got to go to the source when we talk. When we don't, it just promotes division. And I'm, I'm praying for the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts, in my heart, to repent where needed, and that His help, uh, that He would help us to maintain the unity of the Spirit that God has blessed us with because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. For the record, I love our church. I love to serve with pastors. I'm sorry, I'm a little short on sleep too, so I'm probably a little more emotional than normal. I love this church. Um, so going through a church split, I'm going off course here, so you can't follow the script. Went through heavy things and then coming here. And I'm just thinking of the people that I get to serve with are awesome. And I've seen humility and unity, and it's been such a healthy thing for me. I guess that's why I'm grieving, because I love this church, and it's been a healthy thing for me. Bringing up old wounds. Um, there's no perfect church, no perfect pastor, but this is a great team, and I love it. I'm glad to serve you, and I'm glad to serve with this team. Thanks for letting me unload a little bit. So God's glory is on display through our unity. God's glory is also on display through our purpose. So that with one accord you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This one accord phrase, it's used a lot in the Bible. Some of you probably heard it. It's used in many different translations. Uh, we see it in the book of Acts a lot. Acts 1.14, here's one of the example. The early disciples, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were united in purpose. They were united in mission. They were pursuing the same things. I love being in one accord with my brothers in Christ. My family enjoys being in one accord. In fact, we enjoy road trips in our one accord. I think we got a picture of it. I'm sorry, I couldn't pass it up couldn't pass it up. And uh, I have to ask, so we are actually all on there, you maybe can't see our faces, but we took that picture yesterday. Does anybody else's car look really dirty? I don't think Mary was real thrilled about me sharing that picture, because the car is so dirty, but surely that if we looked out in the parking lot, most of them would be pretty dirty. Yeah, I know, that's a sad phone. I, I couldn't pass it up. We actually don't take road trips in our Accord anymore. Uh, we're talking about trading in our pilot and getting on to Odyssey. And then, oh, the adventures we could have in Odyssey. In our Odyssey, that would be a lot of fun. Some of you didn't get that. You'll have to ask somebody else later. This one accord phrase, it carries the idea of being of one purpose. We have one aim. We have one mission. We're all striving for the same things. And when we strive for this together, God's glory is on display. You've heard it before. In fact, you heard it this morning. You're going to hear it again. As a church, we exist to love God love people, and lead others to do the same. These are the main things. These are the top priority. We have to do these things. When we're united around this thing, it's glorious. God is glorified. This is our purpose and mission. Do you own this mission? Do you live this out? God is glorified when we're united in this purpose. Some of us own this mission really well. Um, there's, there's prayer movements going on that I'm excited about. Uh, many of you are living out your faith in your circles of influence, in your schools, your places of work, in your families. Uh, just yesterday morning, I went on a, on a prayer drive through town. Again, we've done it several mornings. There's a group of guys that are, 
are meeting and they're praying over our town. They're getting together like dark and early on Saturday morning and driving through the community for an hour and just praying. And uh, I love being a part of that. Many gospel conversations are happening um, amongst you, and I, and I love that, and you're sharing with others. I know that God is stirring in many hearts. I'm anticipating how God is going to answer our prayers and what he is doing and continue to pray for more impact, more favor in the community, and I'm excited. We've got some teams that are forming our Reach Global and our Reach Local, and I'm excited about their efforts because right now there's a lot of individuals that are living out this mission and, and doing it in places of work and stuff, but I think with these teams together, we're going to be able to get on board together and like do a big service project together as one church family. That would be awesome. I would love to do that. Uh, Summer Quest. Many of you know what Summer Quest is. If you don't, basically Summer Quest is our version of Vacation Bible School, except instead of inviting everyone here, what we do is we go out in the community and we have families host places where they can do a Vacation Bible School in their backyards, in uh, parks that are near them, and it's a great opportunity to own the mission, to live out the mission, and reach the people in your neighborhoods. And uh, maybe God is stirring in some of you. Maybe some of you watching today, you need to host uh, a summer quest this summer. Many people in here, this is a great opportunity to be united in purpose and to love God, love people, and lead others to do the same. Don't use the excuse of being too busy. Don't assume that somebody else is going to do it. Be the one to step up. I would love to see tons of people sign up to host a summer quest. It's a really tangible way to be the church outside these walls and to live out the mission. Uh, and actually, next Sunday, you're going to hear quite a bit more about that because we're going to do the big announcement, the big reveal for uh, summer quest. So here's some thoughts I, I found um, regarding this passage. And I couldn't even pronounce the, last guy's, or the guy's last name, so I didn't include that. But here's a quote that I wanted to share with you. When one common aspiration reigns in the church, secondary diversities no longer separate hearts. And from the internal communion, there results com- sorry, common adoration, like pure harmony, from a concert of well-tuned instruments. All beings, all, all hearts being melted in one, all mouths become only one. And how so? Because one being only appears henceforth to all as worthy of being glorified. One accord, one purpose, one voice. It's all the same idea. It's like a protest, people going out, trying to join voices together, trying to to join in in a purpose and a cause. And I can't help but think about worship through song, obviously because I love worship through song. I'll never go tired of singing with you, but there's a beautiful unifying of our hearts, around God's truth, around our mission. When we sing together, and I did this the first service, we're going to do it again. Would you sing one more song with me? I'm sure you will, right? Shake your head, somebody. Okay, so we're going to do this one, because you probably all know it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Let's do one amen. Amen. I hear some harmonies in there. I love it. I love the harmony. I love the unity of God's people and singing His praises. So we display God's glory our unity, 
through being united in one purpose and through our hospitality. Verse 7 says, Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. This is a familiar verse to some of you uh, because I use it for our hospitality teams. So actually, did you know, between our Route 56 kids and ushers and greeters and coffee volunteers and connection desk workers, there's about 130 people that serve on our hospitality teams. It's awesome. Lots of people engaged in uh, helping bring that warm atmosphere, which is so critical on a freezing cold day like today. Every time I send out a request through Planning Center for these people to serve on hospitality teams, it includes the verse, Romans 15, 7. I use the ESV version when I send that out. It says, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. And I actually decided to preach this message many weeks ago uh, because I specifically wanted to share about hospitality. Uh, You see, I lead the hospitality teams, and I'm, I'm passionate about creating that environment that it's warm and loving where people will be welcomed and accepted and brought into fellowship with us. But I also want to be careful, like I, I didn't want to force my own thoughts into this passage. Um, as a teaching team, we're committed to upholding biblical integrity, which means we're going to preach what the passage says. And uh, I know that, that God has called the church to create a spirit of inclusion of inviting other people in, more than just accepting and welcoming each other. Um, So going into this, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't forcing my own thoughts. Um, But actually, Jack helped me work through this since he knows Greek and I don't. Uh, The word here actually does mean to bring to oneself. So it really is more than accept or welcome. To bring to oneself. It's, the word is actually used in a different passage for eating, like eating to like bring into your body. And that's that idea of, of bringing people into fellowship. Um, you could paraphrase it. Grant them access to your heart. Be a little challenging. Treat them as the closest of friends. Now, when you think about it, this is what Christ did. Where do you accept one another as Christ? has accepted us. Let's think about it for a second. What was our relationship with God before Christ accepted us? The Bible says that we were sinners. We were enemies of God, children of wrath, dead in our sin, lovers of ourselves. We wanted nothing to do with God. And then Christ came after us. God in the flesh, perfect and holy. He welcomed us sinners and brought us in. We were stinky and wretched, and unlovable, and Christ loved us, just like Carmen read earlier. God demonstrates his love for us in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how Christ welcomed us, accepted us. He brought us in. He saved us, no longer enemies, not just that, but now co-heirs, children of God. 1 John 3, 1, how great the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. And then in John 1, 12, To all who did receive him, that's Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Jesus Christ, our Savior, brought us to himself, and this is how we are to include other people. We should bring others to ourselves, just like Christ has done for us. So in this light, what would it look like to accept others, maybe on a Sunday morning, for the glory of God? 
I believe that this could possibly mean uh, a mindset change for some of us. See, I have a feeling that, that some of us here, when we see somebody new, oh, there's somebody new. I have a lot of friends. My family is here. I don't really need another friend, so I'm not going to reach out to that person. Maybe the mindset should be, we see somebody new, man, I wonder if they're new to Newton. I wonder if they know anybody. Do they have any fellowship, any friends? I bet they would really benefit from somebody reaching out to them and welcoming them and loving on them. There's plenty of people these days that are starting starving for fellowship, right? Like social distance, we're not built for that. That's hard. It's causing depression. It's really difficult to deal with. That's because we're meant to live in community. Our community reflects the Trinity. God is Father, Spirit, and Son. We commune with one another. We are one together. The body of Christ is meant to reflect this truth. We were created for relationship. That's why one of our values is pursuing authentic community. I'm thankful for our hospitality teams. Uh, When people come to Grace, they have varying experiences. Some people don't have the best experience. You might hear a few weeks later, I came to your church and nobody said hi to me. That happens sometimes. I'm saddened by that. Uh, still, other people have great experiences, and I love it, and I feel like it's, it's getting better. In fact, just recently at Starting Point, several of the, the people that were new expressed just the warmth that they felt when they came to Grace and, and being welcomed, and I love that. May we, yes, praise God, may we continue to, to have that warmth and, and welcoming. Good job, volunteers. Thankful, thankful for all of you. So one of the comments that we've gotten sometimes, in fact, there was, a, there was a pastor that visited and I followed up with him just to hear how his experience was. And he said, man, it was great. Right from the beginning, as I'm walking towards the door, somebody opened the door, hey, glad, glad you're here. Great to have you. Welcome. And then, then in the foyer, another greeter, great to have you here. And then I'm not sure, here's, here's the program. We helped find a seat. But then once they sat down, he said, like, not a, people, not a single person said hi. It's, it's like it kind of changed from really friendly to everybody stays to themselves. We're in, their, in here, at least before the service. After the service, plenty of you stick around. But before the service, it's like there's this something about don't say hello to anybody yet. Maybe it's too early. Coffee hasn't set in yet. I don't know what it is. But I think we can grow in this. I think we can grow in here. The same people that are great out there are hospitality. Bring it in here. And I'm trying to exemplify it. I love meeting new people. Why don't you join me in that? Say hello to the people around you. Uh, here's a challenge. Uh, so when I meet people, I love to write down their names. And I've just come to the point where I just say, hey, can I write down your name in my prayer journal? I just met you, but I'd love to be praying for you this next week. Uh, great opportunity to, to help create belonging. And it's like a twofold thing. Like they get prayer coverage, which usually nobody turns down for being prayed for. And then sometimes I remember their names. Often I actually do remember their names. It's been a, a great habit that I learned from a, a previous pastor. Another challenge that I would add to that, do lunch with people afterwards. Just last week, I loved seeing a couple people do lunch with each other. It brought joy to my heart to see that. You know, even different generations asking people out to lunch. Sunday lunch is like always the lunch that, that we try to go out to lunch. And it's a great opportunity to connect with new people. Um, maybe some of you grew up in that, that time where like mom and dad always put something in the oven and expected to invite somebody back after church. So if, if, that's your, if that's your thing, do that too. Prepare and, and bring somebody back and bring them in. 
to our online people. So I know, like, so far you've probably felt like, okay, I'm at home. What do I do? I've got a couple of challenges and suggestions to online people. Or, or if you're fireside and you're, you're hearing me now, do the comments. Do the little, hey, Grace, good morning. Glad to be here. Comment on somebody else's. Good morning to you. Offer to pray for somebody. And that little, that little chat line now, maybe it's booming with chat comments. Um, offer to pray for somebody. See how you can pray for each other. There's, there's an opportunity to welcome people even virtually, I think. And the other thing that I think we need to know is that the Sunday morning gatherings is not the only place that we're the church, right? We hear this often. Every Sunday we try to go be the church. We want to send people out to be the church. So don't limit this idea of hospitality, of welcoming other people into a, a Sunday morning service. It's community life groups, Bible studies, um, Igniter youth group. And if I can, I'm going to step on some toes here for a second. So I want to I give a challenge. Students, if you're in middle school or high school, listen up. Need your attention for a second. Sometimes we've had comments that youth group is clicky. Maybe you don't know that word. Clickish? Like you've got, um, these are my school friends. I'm so excited to see my school friends tonight. That's like the main reason that I'm here tonight. So I'm going to hang out with them. Sometimes there's other people, they want to be included. So what can you do, students, to go find that person, hey, somebody new by themselves, even though I'm talking with my best friends, I love it. Hey, come here, I want to introduce you to my friends. Or, hey, friends, let's go meet that person. Let's develop that in, a, in our Igniter youth group as well and bring that hospitality through all the generations. Um, here's the other thing that I also think it pertains to, our neighborhoods, right? We can welcome people into our neighborhoods. Maybe some of them are believers. Maybe some of them are not. Uh, here's a challenge. Next time somebody new moves into your neighborhood, bring them some cookies. Introduce yourself. That's pretty easy. Uh, a lot of people that move to Newton might have that, I don't know anybody, and they would really welcome that somebody, their neighbor, just saying hi. Here's another challenge. Write down the names of your neighbors, and every time you're like pulling out of your neighborhood or pulling into your neighborhood, pray for them. Oh, that's their house. Pray for them. Pray for them. It, and it's cool how God works in our hearts when we do that too. So um, several of you have had the same challenge of feeling like you've been somehow, uh, you've, you've, that it's been hard to break into this community. I, I think that I've heard that before a few times. Moving to Newton can feel like it's, it's difficult, a tough egg to crack. I know that was a little bit of our experience, so let's, let's get warmer and more welcoming in all the things that we do. Church, we are to be a people that is welcoming, that is accepting. We are to be a people that pursue others like Christ pursued us, that bring people into fellowship, creating joy, creating belonging. We are to do this for God's glory because it brings Him glory when we reflect this unity, this hospitality, this being on mission together. It brings God glory to be in community. We need it, right? So I want to I close with a, a, uh, an analogy, I guess. So sequoia trees. Who knows about sequoia trees? They're huge. They can grow up to like 30 feet in diameter and 250 feet tall. So you would think that sequoia trees would have like a huge root system, right? think some of these trees would go real deep. Now, I don't know trees that well. Some of you might know them really well, but I know a lot of the trees we have around here have a tap root that goes like way down. But sequoia trees, their root system 
typically go down no further than six feet or as much as 12 feet. That's really shallow. Like you would think that those trees would not be able to survive with that shallow a root system. But here's the, here's the neat thing. So although they don't go real deep, they spread out wide. These roots grow into each other, and these trees, they kind of accept each other's roots, and they kind of combine together. And so then, these trees don't fall over. So you'll actually, it'll be hard to find a sequoia, a giant sequoia tree by itself because it doesn't have the, the other trees around it to, to help keep it grounded, to help it weather the storm. They just won't survive. They'll, they'll blow over because they're so huge. But when the sequoia trees are together, their, their roots are intertwined underneath, they, they thrive. They do well. I thought that was such a cool analogy, so take it for what it's worth. Church, we need this unity. Uh, we need to bring others to ourselves. We need to be united in our purpose of loving God, loving people, and leading others to do the same.